Bali Rooftoppers, welcome back. This is number 11, your host Athron, and today's chat is Phil and I talking with Dean Ogden. Uh, he's an American drummer, music producer, songwriter, composer. Uh, he's now based in Bali, he's been here for quite some time. In fact, I met him at a local gym, which of, <laughs> of all places, I can't imagine what a couple of musicians were doing at a gym, but nonetheless, uh, you'll hear us talk about his passion for the music industry here in Indonesia and his love for just how much talent and skill there is in this country and uh, and also his plans on how he wants to help take a lot of these uh, incredibly talented musicians and launch them onto the international stage. He's worked with David Foster, Stevie Wonder, Britney Spears, George Duke, Al Green, Seal, Robbie Williams, Natalie Merchant, an incredible lineup of names. Uh, so we get the lowdown on how he got into his music career, how he moved from drumming into producing, composing, and, uh, and how he ended up in Bali. So uh, I'll let him take the stage. So put your ears together. This is Dean Ogden. Get off the f***ing roof! Mate, welcome. Hey, thanks. Thanks for, thanks for popping yeah, by. Absolutely. Ooh, good thanks to see for you. having me, guys. This this is so we're chin chinning a bit of uh, this has been a bit a of uh, strong coffee. This will be a first. A bit of cafe deluxe. <laughs> is this the first time? Because, uh, first time without alcohol. On the <laughs> Actually, time. I did do. Did I do one by myself or one Russ, with you? When we did, it was an early. It was an early morning. I know. With Russ was Russ. Yeah. Russ didn't drink, but I, I didn't know I, that, and yeah. I was on the whiskeys. You've already started. Oh man, I'd already started. I was like a. I was a mess. I was just deep diving while he was going up into an enlightened state of being. <laughs> so funny, man. But, well, we did someone the other day, and it was early morning. Oh, um, uh, Harlem, Harlem. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Harlem. Yeah, that was but you don't coffee. drink at all. So I don't drink at all. I never have. No. So you've never had a drink in I've terms had, of I've trying. I've had a beer. Or? I think maybe I can count on one hand my whole life. Oh wow! As recently as maybe four or five months ago. With G. Ah, uh, of course. That yeah. just, I, just I, 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 I could have wanna, almost said you'll... I didn't want to make him feel any worse than he already did, so I went ahead and had one with him. And, uh, wow, man. And what does it taste that's, like? I said, that's it, man. Did it taste he's like, nice? He's like, no, I have another one. I go, no, that's it. I'm done. Did it taste so, okay? It was like, oh, yeah, it's, it's fine. Yeah. Oh, really? Because generally, yeah. like my memory of beer, kind of like cigarettes too for a, a lot of people, is that the initial... Taste isn't pleasant. It's not it's good. Sort of I don't know you. why people like it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it, but it's because you know, get wasted. <laughs> it seemed to calm him down quite a bit. So. <laughs> so it's literally like, like, like a mother putting a baby, a yeah, dummy in their own like, mouth yeah, to pacify like, the baby. Here, let me, let me, you know, let me, let me give, tap your back, Pas- pacify yeah, the angry sing one. You a fucking lullaby. And, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I remember <laughs> the first beer I had was, I guess it was four, 15, 14, no. Yeah, I think it was 13 or 14. I think the first official beer I had was about 14. And uh, and just think, I remember thinking, wow, this is is this is what I've been waiting for? Like, this yeah, is the big moment? Right. Yeah. yeah, it's a real disgusting, that yeah. hopsic taste. It's really a quiet yeah. taste. Yeah. Yeah. And cigarettes too. But then like, I guess when you're young, you just, you're like, I must push on for self-respect <laughs> right. and yeah. coolness. Yeah. yeah but it's I guess like the first think. time I ever went to Hollywood, I was like, Really? This is a fucking disaster, man. <laughs> it's dirty weird. and yeah. it's like what? It's a real really? spit out, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Through Hollywood. This isn't the movies. When, yeah. when we when was the first time you went to Hollywood? Oh, when I was uh early twenties. Um 
Yeah. So it's always it. is it always been grungy or is it is Hollywood something mm. that like ever uh, since I was there it was right. Yeah, I was there for 50, almost fifteen years and it was always just a piece of shit. You, <laughs> you lived know? there for fifteen years. <laughs> yeah. Where we the where was a nice though. I didn't live right. in Hollywood, but near near there. Yeah. yeah. Right. So you had yeah. Hollywood so Hills are nice though, right? It's, Hollywood Hills are nice. I had yeah. some friends yeah, that yeah, lived the up there. Hills are really nice. I spent a bit of time. The Hollywood there. Boulevard is just yeah. a fucking. And you're just driving and you go nowhere. Suburbia. The weirdest thing about it is when you're going down Sunset, uh, it's it's pretty crappy. And then like all of a sudden you cross one street and you're in Beverly Hills and it's amazing. Yeah, it's yeah, like, right. It's like literally from here to that couch and you're right. like, I must have not gotten to Beverly Hills. <laughs> <laughs> like a vortex you go through. Yeah, right. You know, Just the money starts growing out of the pavement. Yeah, right. Exactly. So Everything's all clean and it looks like Singapore. Yeah. Oh wow. All right. Well, well, money. Big. Yeah. yeah. So where did you grow up? I was born and raised in Oregon, right. just north north of California, uh, kind of in this on the on the west coast of Oregon, sort of over the mountains. So they call it the Pacific Northwest, mm-hmm. like uh, Seattle to Portland is kind of the corridor there, the okay. I five corridor. <clears throat> and I was born and raised just south of Portland, about eighty miles in a little town called Corvallis. Okay, it's a beautiful part of the world. Yeah, that. it's I mean, really gorgeous. I haven't been up that that far up the coast, but just that western coastline up up above, uh, like yeah, the northern part of California. Yeah, it's phenomenal, and there's like there's just a really down to earth, happy bunch of people around there. Yeah, like, everyone's so super happy. It's insane. Yeah, it's interesting because it's like you know it rains like 300 days a year there. Oh wow. So mm-hmm. there's more suicides per capita than anywhere <laughs> oh, okay. in the world. Well, that goes against my happiness but, streak. <laughs> but it's no one leaves. Okay, like everyone. Well, maybe the suicide it, you know? rate is is so it's is like rat ratioing out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or well, the suicide rate is kind of causing the ratio of happy people to be yeah, <laughs> later in life. It it's sort be, of going yeah. up. So that's going yeah. more towards that. How close is it to Seattle? It's about a four and a half or five hour drive from oh, Seattle. Still that far. So pretty, pretty but that close, whole area but, yeah. is pretty similar in terms of weather. Yeah, it's almost wow. exactly the same. Would yeah. you say that your your I don't know how you got into music, but would you say that it was at all affected by the weather in terms of like uh, you know how Seattle and, and and for me I compare it to a place called Toowoomba in Australia, like mm-hmm. um, near near Brisbane, where a lot of awesome music I came knew yeah. came out of that place because it was just kind of, I mean there it wasn't rainy but it was just hot and and dead and nothing to do and right. it breeds this longing for creativity and yeah and, I think there's probably something to that my my parents were both musicians and oh, they, well, they, they were in a band when they had me and and. Uh, you know, it wasn't like a pro thing. They were just kind of like uh, um, weekend warrior types, you know. And they and they just they had this band that traveled up and down the coast. And they were played. in a band together. Yeah. yeah. Wow. My mom was the drummer. My mom was the drummer. Uh-huh. My dad was the bass player. Check drummers. Yeah. Yeah. And then Fuck when they yeah. found out my mom could sing, they said, "Hey, get out here!" And they, she kind of pulled the Phil Collins type deal, and they hired another drummer, and she fronted the band. And oh, really? Was, yeah. yeah. And what happened to the singer in the like the original singer? Just uh, I, I don't even know who was singing at that point. Maybe one of the guitar players oh, or something, you, but one of the yeah. guys. But yeah, she mm-hmm. came out, and obviously, you know, she was the only girl in the band, so they 
made a marketing, Are they original marketing choice so there. Covers or covers? Covers. Yeah, yeah, like a bar band, you yeah. know. Yeah, so yeah. did so you that's, break that's up the of, band, mate? Did I? <laughs> yeah. No, no, I didn't. No, no, I, I was. They carted me all over the place. Oh, There's oh, pictures of yes. me in like case drum cases sleeping. Oh, oh my god, yeah. that is just destiny, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, that's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. I hope you still got you still got photos of those. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's great. Wow. Yeah, I got photos of me when I'm two and three years old downstairs on my mom's drums, pink, pink champagne oh. sparkle <laughs> Ludwig's, you know. That is so, gold. Uh, yeah, they. I think you know the Oregon thing, the rain thing. I think people. There's a big. It's it's all agriculture, right? So everybody works in you know lumber and textile mills and stuff during the week, or they did back then. So it's hard really. Hard yeah, yeah. yeah, and then they would go to the bar or the yeah. you know the the equivalent of the pub, mm. you know, at night and on weekends and listen to music. And that's what my parents. Wow. Were in those bands, and, and what were they doing during the week as far as work goes? Were uh, they my involved? dad, yeah, my dad owned his own business. Uh, my family business was floor covering since like 1946. My great grandpa and grandpa and my dad all kind of owned this thing together and Ogden floor covering. Mm. So, so he, would have, he a, would have looked at you and going, "Oh no, like we, he's been born on a drum case. <laughs> <laughs> he's not going to keep up the old family flooring tradition." Yeah, they he's, never pushed me to. Uh, they good never, they never ever. Good suggested you know that i do anything other than that um, is it is it do you, do you really feel like music was in the bones then because i mean often yeah often it i mean there's so many cases of amazing singers and songwriters where their their children just are naturally yeah. incredible you know in terms of uh there's the there's the opposite where like a great songwriter comes out of really harsh conditions and that yep. sort of forges a need to be creative to deal with the stress and the, ho- the horrors of the childhood or whatever. But then you sort of assume that a, a kid that's had it easy won't be a good songwriter. But then you see these incredibly successful songwriters that have give birth to more successful, incredible songwriters and you realise right. it's really in the blood quite often. Yeah, I don't know. I've, I've thought about that a lot, you know. Is it nature or nurture type mm. thing, you know? Um, I love that Tom Petty quote, you know, I, most, most great songwriters I know had at least one fucked up parent and I was lucky enough to have two. (laughs) Uh, And that was kind of my situation. My parents, you know, through that whole band situation were both became pretty intense alcoholics, which is one of the reasons why I don't partake. It's understandable. Yeah. And, uh, my, my childhood was pretty pretty that way, you know, so I locked myself in my room and played drums. Wow, okay, so there was a lot of... So so you wouldn't... So you don't specifically relate to the idea that you had two solid good parents. It was was a struggle. Yeah, they were great parents, but they had serious issues and, you know, there was a lot of... I was a... I mean, I grew up in the 80s, so I was a latchkey kid anyway. Mm. You know, I just... I just escaped all that bullshit by music. Was it it a feeling of... uh, You were sort of isolated and watching from a distance and it was more through neglect because they were so caught up in their own inner problems or or do you feel like you were you were personally sort of attacked from the like through their behavior no they never they never did any shenanigans but they but but it just didn't i don't i don't know it was it was i mean even now i'm forty six and I just don't like being around that culture 
mm. you know, the drinking the, culture. Yeah, mean, people yeah. just getting fucked up all the time, and you well, know, you're in the, I mean, the right I, I can, I yeah. can hang. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. Business. Ironically, right? Yeah. Well, I've had my fair share of it, obviously. But A bit. It, but it's. Uh, I just. I. It doesn't bother me being around it. Until it gets out of hand. Oh, all right. I, so you can choose I, to leave yeah. when it gets crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And then I just, just go, you know what, I'm, I'm done. You know? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Right. So, so, so my folks were moderately controlled right. by most people's standards, probably. You know, music, 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 musically speaking, you know, musicians come from that kind of culture or whatever. My, my parents were not like, they weren't beating the shit out of each other or anything like right. that. My dad and my mom were... The, Really, until my dad died a, a year or so ago, they were really good friends. Oh, that's oh, great. That's good. But were you close to both of them right yeah. through that? Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah, they got divorced when I was three, and um, but they remained friends because of me. You know, I mean, they had me, so mm. they they were really close until till my dad passed away. And has that brought you closer to your mother since then, or is uh, still, still the distance yeah, physically I mean, from her? There's so much, you know. My mom, my my dad sobered up before my mom did. He sobered up when I was like in the fifth or sixth grade, and my mom didn't. Okay. And so I really didn't have that great of a relationship with my mom until I was in my early to mid twenties. Hmm. She was she was around, but she wasn't present. You know. Yeah, I know. And yeah. so. Yeah. And I was I was just full tilt music, you know, career and and really since I was five years old. I mean, I started playing drums when I was five, and I just never stopped, you know. So you are you are definitely an example of that. Then having the you know the the kind of childhood that that pushes you. I was assuming that it was the other way around, but but it sounds like you are the result of sort of going insular and just directing all your energy on what you want to produce. Yeah, certainly when I was a kid, I was I was I was just you know, my dad used to say, yeah, he, we couldn't have stopped you if we tried. Mm. Wow. You know, you just were just not going to do anything else. School, girls, kids, you know, friends, yeah. sports, nothing. You just didn't give a fuck. You were just wow. constantly. God, I wish I'd had that focus. <laughs> <Yeah>. Same. <laughs> um, so if, looking back, what did you say? You're 46. Yeah. Has there been any period that you would say something did pull you away or distract you or yeah. cause you to lose focus? Yeah, I got married pretty young. I got married when I was 19 the oh, first wow. time. And, uh, <clears throat> and she was not having the lifestyle of... Oh, really? You know, it was one of yeah. those Ooh. marry a muso and tell him to stop playing music. Uh, exactly, <laughs> oh, yeah. Nice. I love everything about you until, you know, Shit. until... And so uh, for a couple of years there, I, I slowed down quite a bit and got pulled into some other things that she was into. Um... She was a real religious person, for instance, Ooh. and I got Christianity. Kinda, yeah, yeah, and I yeah. got kind of sidetracked into that for a minute, and then you had uh, a born again experience. So, yeah, well, I, you know, I was raised in a Christian home. Mm. You know, my dad, after he got sober, he became a Christian and stuff. And then, and then, when I was in high school, he was like, fuck, "What the fuck am I doing?" And he, <laughs> you know, he rejected it all and went Ross. back to his old, you know, his old hippie ways, which yeah. was great. And then. Uh, uh, but anyway, I got involved with this lady, and she's a great lady. But we were married for twelve years. And, oh wow, that's uh, a, yeah, it was pretty good. That's uh, a decent stretch. Decent stretch. And for I'd say probably the first three or four years of that, I was I was pretty into her thing, and and then I just I don't know. 
one day. He saw the light yeah. <laughs> and walked away from it. Yeah. <laughs> He saw the dark and walked away from the light. Or whichever back way. to the dark yeah. side. Yeah. <laughs> so I, we, we had moved to L.A. by that point, and, um, and I was doing studio work, you know, doing sessions. So you did keep up playing yeah. through that yeah, time. Yeah, I never stopped playing, mm-hmm. but I just wasn't really pursuing you know, what I wanted to pursue at that point okay. you know, for a couple of years. And then, and then finally I convinced her, you know, Hey, let's get to LA. And, you know, I was only 20, maybe 23 at that point. And, uh, and she agreed to do that. So we moved down there and, and then I just went for it. You know, once I got into that scene and got laser focused. Yeah. Yeah. Just, got around yeah. people that understood me and, you know, we're doing, we're, we're pursuing the same things that I was trying to pursue. Makes such a difference, doesn't it? When mm-hmm. you, uh, especially when you've got people around you that are better than you or, oh, yes. or, or just yeah. further up That's the really ladder. Important, yes. actually, yeah. really important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sharpening you, the competitive nature. I mean, you know, LA at that time was a real friendly competition kind of a place. It was, mm-hmm. okay. I made a lot of friends. I had a lot of drummers that... I had had on my wall as a kid and reached out and there wow. I met them somewhere during, you know, maybe going out to a club or something and saw them play and they come up, Hey, what's up? You know, and meet you. And I mean, yeah, that's got to mentors and, and people who really were great to me when I first got down there. And it, I think probably if that wouldn't have been the case, I don't know that I would have stuck it out. Cause it's a pretty oh, hardcore, man. be a bit of a scene. dog fight. Yeah. yeah. It must be intense. Was there any, was there one specific job that, kicked off your career like one yeah, session question yeah. I was about to ask um, there was a not really sessions but people you know right, producers yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. work with uh, that wanted to work with you personally yeah or I maybe not they wanted to work with me but I somehow ended up working with them by accident ah, right, you know yeah, like yeah. subbing for a guy or something oh, nice, or you know nice, yeah. some some friend of mine would go dude I can't do this gig do you want to do it it's not really that great of a gig but right. you want to do it and then it ended up actually being something when I right. got there you know yeah, yeah. Well. for me maybe not for him um, just say yes to everything. Yeah, pretty <laughs> much. Until the yeah, I did a start. lot of shit for free yeah. for the first couple of years I was there and just uh, just to be around people doing stuff, yeah. you know. Because LA is very much like that. You just you want to meet so many people, right? And everyone's yeah. connected. Right. Well, I've got a friend who's a friend that's a friend that knows someone that can help you. Exactly. Yeah. 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 yeah, and I'd done some touring, so I thought, okay, well, I'll get down there and I'm – fairly well known in the touring community so it sh- this should be easy you know and then I got down there and realized that they don't give a shit about touring drummers <laughs> it's studio so, work oh, really? and it was a whole different world a whole different group of people uh, nobody that was in touring was there or even lived there they all lived in Nashville so when huh. I got down there, I realized, wow, I got to start all over from scratch, basically. Wow, you know, right. so that's I scary. Worked at a music store and during uh-huh. the day, and then at night, I would go to clubs and meet musicians and listen for people. Yeah, our fucking drummer's a moron. <laughs> yeah. Hey, what's up? Yeah, <laughs> right. So yeah. I just kind of wormed my way into the situations <clears throat> like that, just networking yeah. with people and trying to meet people and figure out who needed what and who was who, and you know, and it took, you know, probably. Two, two and a half, three years before I finally felt like I was making any kind of real money, you yeah. know. Okay. Doing yeah, it, it generally mm-hmm. takes sort of two or three years, even in a in a new city anyway, yeah. just to feel like you're starting to get your friendship circles, let alone right. your mm-hmm. your contacts for work and, and success in that way. Mm-hmm. Is there are there musicians that you would have worked with at that time that at the time you 
were just on the scene, but since then have sort of, or you sort of grew with them, as in like, like maybe people were hiring you to, to work with them and at the time you were like, oh, yeah, it's just another another muse on the circuit. And then they just sort of started to take off and you got to, to work with them Yeah, a couple of guys, Jesse Carmichael from Maroon 5. Well, he, was, he was sort of a jobbing keyboardist at the time that I was just getting started down there. And I didn't really know him that well. Um, but I would see him around at sessions and stuff. I would go to different smaller studios and we'd, you know, run into each other. And I kind of got to know who he was kind of through just passing him in the hallway. We, I don't know if we ever really did. I think I did one project with him maybe one time. It was a band he was in that a friend of mine was producing or trying to help out. And then the next thing I knew, I heard like four months later, his band got signed and they, you know, yeah. Songs about change is like it was like <laughs> yeah. on top of the charts and you never saw the guy again. Were, they, you know? were yeah. they all just session musos that decided? I think to a start couple writing. of them were, and then I think two of them. I might have this totally wrong, but I think two of them went to school together. Adam and the guitar player, I think, went to school together or something yeah. like that. Or you know, they're all from that area, mm. so they bit of a Tato project. They all just yeah, yeah, was, yeah awesome just aesthetics. dudes that were around <laughs> the yeah. scene, and um, <clears throat> and then. Uh, and then for a while, I got in with a couple of, of guys that were doing music for Disney shows, like Hannah Montana and uh, oh, wow. you know uh, the high school musical stuff, mm. and um, Selena Gomez, and you know they were doing demos for them, and those girls had their shows, and then they would do like songwriter solicitor demos on the side to try and get material together for like the albums that were going to be for the show. Right? Okay. And I did a bunch of demos for a guy named Robbie Neville, who was a say la vie, say la vie. Is the guy that, uh, he had a hit in the eighties when I was a kid called right. say la vie. It's like a pop. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's just the way it goes. Yeah. Right. Right. So he wrote, he wrote all those Hannah Montana songs with another guy and that's kind of what happened to him, you know, in his later career. And I did a bunch of demo stuff for him. And then, uh, I met more people through him and uh, a couple of producers that I worked a lot with, uh, John Algea and, um, Oh man, uh, uh, blanking out on that. I mean, even now, just yeah, look, at, even the, just. Yeah. I had a quick glance mm. at just at your website, and I mean, just that collage on the front of your website. Oh, yeah, some of the just faces to name there. A few. Yeah. That's only the few. That I mean, I'm named, looking at yeah. Ozzy Osbourne and David Foster and all these oh, people. Oh, mate, David Foster. Yeah, yeah. That, that was that was the, that was probably the greatest gig I've ever had. David was Foster. That one. Yeah. How yeah. intimidating would that be? Yeah. Like. It, like, it was pretty intimidating. Yeah, like your nerves must have been like, because he, he can hear everything. And he's got a photographic memory too. Oh, really? He, yeah, yeah. Oh, he, I, I think he does. Yeah. I mean, I don't have, you know, direct evidence of that, but just, yeah. uh, just you know, uh, anecdotal, anecdotally, he would, he would, in rehearsal, you'd play through something and then he would go, okay, uh, keyboards, bar 77, that's a dotted eighth, not an eighth. Oh, nice. Dean, yeah. just the <laughs> fill on the second oh, thing, okay. right? You got it? You got it? Okay, cool. Uh, Bass player, uh, make sure you punch that accent on bar number 43. I mean, he's just going, he's yeah. not wow. looking at anything. He's just remembering it all from, wow. and he just goes right down the line, and he's cool about it. He's not yeah. being a jerk. But he's just telling you. Yeah. professional. Holy Hit shit. that shit, man. That's <laughs> you know? incredible. He wants this guy. To yeah. have that combo yeah. of like of skill 
yeah. talent, you know, creative talent, and then that kind of an intelli- intellect and intelligence combined with that memory and everything. That's just so you're not surprised by the pile of Grammys on top of his. No, not at all. <laughs> I've no. seen his and, grand and piano. You know, the cool it's thing just... about it is that when I was in the eighth grade, a buddy of mine who's also a drummer, a guy named Brian Kerb, who is now a movie director. He, we went to this little tiny high school in my hometown. It was like the graduating class was like 13 people. And Brian was a movie maker and also the pep band drummer. And he was a couple years older than me. And I would fill in for him at pep band when he was off doing movie shit, like for fun with his friends, you know. <clears throat> and he wouldn't go to a Friday night game or whatever, and I'd get up to play his kit. And he was like, I don't know, a senior in high school, and I was in the eighth grade. That's basically the span of the age between us. Anyway, one day he... I was into songwriting and arrangement and orchestra stuff and all kinds of crazy shit, you know, for being as young as I was. And one day he walked into, like, a classroom I was in or something. He goes, hey, man, he goes, I got something for you. And I thought he was going to, you know, beat the shit out of me or something. (laughs) (laughs) I got you a knuckle sandwich. He pulls out this cassette tape and he hands it to me and he goes, you're into that weird shit. You might like this. <laughs> and he handed me a David Foster Symphony Sessions cassette. Wow. And I'd never heard of him before. Right. It was right after St. Elmo's Fire and all the shit that he had in the 80s where it went crazy. And I, I took it home. It's and Winter Games. Wow. And, you know, know, I listened to it. I listened to it over and over and studied it and figured out all the parts on my piano and stuff and just was really into him for a long, long time. And he he kind of became a huge influence on me in terms of like composition and production. And I started following him through the Whitney stuff and the Celine stuff that he did and all the Shaka Khan shit and everything. And oh, so really it's a real story of you, you know, meeting the hero. Yeah. But yeah, then, those but then weirdly when I got to LA, uh, one of the first people that I met was a guy named Matt Delapola and he's a, uh, music director down there. And, I think not long after I got there, he became David's music director, maybe like a couple of years. And so flash forward, like Matt and I knew each other from like 2000 to 2013 or something. And then I move over here and he calls me up one day and he goes, hey, are you still living over in Jakarta? And I said, yeah. And he goes, okay, cool. You want to play for David? Oh, oh, wow. Man, and I go, that's what? Insane. And he goes, yeah. He goes, we're going to be over there. And JR, who's a regular drummer, can't do the gig. Yes. And uh, <laughs> yes. Or he's, got, he's with Streisand or something. It was like oh, this yeah. crazy thing, wow. whatever. And he goes, uh, he goes, we're going to play a bunch of shows over there and you want to do it. And I'm like, Holy yeah. Shit. <laughs> I go, what do I need to do? He goes, nothing. Just be sticks. there when we get there. <laughs> and he goes, here's the dates. He goes, I'll send you the music. I'll send you the charts. So, so it's all sight reading, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. All any, sight reading. Any rehearsal or? Yeah, we rehearsed once. Once, yeah. Yeah. yeah when David got there, we wow. rehearsed at a hotel at, in, in Jakarta. So sight writing, you read, you sight read without yeah. any issue, right? Yeah. You, okay, yeah. yeah. Since, since a child? Yeah. Since yeah. I was wow. a kid. Yeah. It's good skill to have a... Yeah, it's yeah, I, yeah I couldn't have done it without yeah. doing it. I couldn't have been in L.A. without it. Because you can just walk into a gig cold and walk on stage and then, right, one, two. Right. Yeah, and I just, yep. I love Recessions, that. Recessions, yeah. you know. I mean, uh, most of the sessions that I did earlier were were totally charted. Wow. You know, a lot of pop stuff was all charted. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah, so the first time I was ever with David on a stage other than that first hour-long rehearsal was at Java Jazz in 2014 or 15. 
Damn. And that was the first time you met him personally also? I had met him one time before in L.A. when he was working with Seal at his house. Um, But that's it. You You were working with Seal? I was programming some demo stuff for the other producer that was also on the record. Uh, An Italian guy that David worked with from time to time. And it was all out at his house. And, yeah, he's not going to be here, but come out and help out. And, you know, I was there. And then he walked in, and I met him for, like, two seconds, and he kind of brushed me off. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. I guess that's as good as it's ever going to get. And then, you know, uh, ten years later, basically, I, I played with him. Wow! You know, yeah, wow, them. that's awesome, isn't it? Yeah. So, what's the what was the sort of line for you to stretch out beyond playing drums? I mean, as you, you know, you see, you play keyboards as well. Yeah, I play keyboards, bass, guitar, and drums. Right. So, yeah. were you learning all these instruments at the same time as drums growing up? And drums is just the one you. My mom and my dad started small. When I started getting musically interested, my dad bought me an acoustic, and I was like. Is this, you know? <laughs> and then he bought a piano, yes. like a player piano, and I didn't touch that. And then he sold that and bought, he was a bass player, so he bought me a bass and tried to teach me bass. And I, I just couldn't fucking, it was too slow, you know? And I, and I just kept beating on stuff. And I've, my, my mom, she, she finally said, God, he keeps breaking all my pots and pans. <laughs> Get him a La Crusade, $100 thing, and he's cracked that. Would you fucking please buy him a drum set? So my dad bought me this kit. And then, like, three or four years later after, you know, when I was, like, eight, nine, ten years old, and, like, I got more aware of music and what it what it involved and there was just more than a guy playing drums, you know, mm. and there's a singer and there's a bass, you know, and then I started slowly picking things up and um, kind of teaching myself. And then I guess when I got into high school, I had a couple of really good music teachers, uh, a guy named Matt Strausser first, and then a lady named Christine Fisher, who was my high school uh, symphonic and jazz band teacher. And that's when I really started turning on like the real acute reading skills and wow. really diving into like uh, complex polyrhythms and music theory and stuff and Far out. doing competitions <coughs> and doing, you know, like I went to state <coughs> state competition for percussion <coughs> a couple of times with marimbas and stuff and Far out. and did some of that kind of stuff. And then I did uh, a thing called interlocking, which is like a Interlocking. Interlocking is a mean program. In Switzerland? <laughs> no, it's in the states. It's in the states, but it's but it's based over in in uh, northern Europe. I think it originated there, and then they have camps all over the place where they. You okay. Know, it's like a. I guess like a. I wonder if it it didn't originate in Interlaken, did it? It may have. Yeah. I mean, that's it a, may have. That's an amazing town. Yeah. Anyway. It was. It was like you know uh, the year that I was there. Well, there was a girl from Tokyo, I think, or China. She was a violinist, and everybody was like, everybody that was there that made it in, because you got to apply for it, you know. And when when we were all there, like she was the talk of the camp. Like, oh my God, she's here, you know, like, like genius. Yeah, so, some yeah. genius, crazy <clears throat> good. And she was a junior in high school. And she got up to do a rehearsal. I mean, her uh, recital at the very end of the week. And everybody's just bated breath, you know. And she comes out, and she has... She looks like shit, man. Her (laughs) dress is all askew, and her mascara's running, and her hair's all frazzled and shit. 
And everybody's like, what is going on? And she gets up there and she kind of squeaks for a second. And then she launches into this like Paganini thing for five minutes and just blows everybody's mind. And what happened was the girls in her dorm five minutes before she went on smashed her 1920s violin in the dumpster to fuck her up. To like, oh my god! Wow! And she borrowed some piece of shit, Fire you up. know, court fucking yeah, like yeah, you yeah. know thing from some dude on the side as she was walking out. Wow. You're kidding? And played her thing on what that a rock and star. just what tore a it the fuck up, dude. It was That's amazing. That's a pure yeah, rock star. Oh, there's got a yeah, yeah, it was there's amazing. a movie in that. Yeah. yeah, and she won all these scholarships and stuff to Juilliard and went wow. on to do you know a bunch of shit. But but that's the kind of place it was. It was like this really crazy competitive. Everyone's it made me, yeah, nutty, it reminded me of, um, you know, I, I thought she was having a black swan moment. You've seen that? Uh, it was similar, yeah. Yeah. Was yeah. Like, yeah. I thought well, maybe she was kind of split personality where like her, <laughs> her, like the black swan tried to take over. Just she, could, she, she could have been, man. She yeah. was really, she was deadly on Did that Did the thing, other man. girls really destroy yeah. her violin? Yeah, right, right. <laughs> She's yeah. in the dumpster like Fight Club just <laughs> yeah, dragging right. herself around. Exactly. Tyler Durdening herself. Yeah. <laughs> no, she, they, it, was, it was pretty crazy. It was there was a lot of weird stuff like stories like that that I heard from previous years of people you know just really just going purely at it. because of the competitive nature mm-hmm. like kids yeah because like, the prizes were like all these major scholarships to these music's world class yeah, Vienna yeah. you know yeah. conservatory and like you know I didn't I wasn't good enough to win any of those but I went and you know participated and it was pretty eye opening like how good people were and how seriously mm. they took it and yeah right wow. and I realized man I don't want to be in the classical world I just want to rock <laughs> classical is <laughs> yeah. a new yeah, yeah. realm right it's, it's like, a beautiful eight hours a day yeah, yeah. yeah. that's okay <laughs> yeah. yeah the stress involved yeah, I mean, there's, there's a, a beauty in having the kind of um, education you've had with it though and then taking that into the rock world and into like into a world where man I mean just the fact that you know you don't drink and i'm and i'm assuming that with that you haven't sort of experimented with many other sort of off chops materials mm-hmm. in your life mm-hmm. um just being in with that kind of a centered head in the rock world that's got to be some beautiful leverage right there just to i mean i just just so many people have fallen off the wagon or have fallen or like missed chances at success because of that. Oh, many. You know, like so, many, there are many, so yeah. many stories, you know. I, I can think of loads of people yeah. I know that have yeah, same. gone through. They lost the record deal because of yeah. their head. Or just, right. you know, yeah, just, yeah I've, I've encountered a few of those people. It's It's ironic, though. I think at least maybe in LA or maybe, you know, maybe the time that I was there or something because it was kind of like post the real rush of the late 80s, early 90s, mid 90s music scene. You know, I got there in 2000. So, or I got there actually 2001, a week after 9-11. LA, you mean? Yeah. Right. Yeah, so I sort of missed like the the post-rock... Right, you know, yeah. Nirvana mm. to Stone Temple Pilots, <clears throat> Goo Goo yeah. Dolls that kind of big, era. Gotcha. That rush of like right. 90s music. Yeah. Yeah. That was massive that the time. The return of rock, basically, yeah. they called it. You know, so it's when like a I, tsunami. When I got there, it was like <laughs> pop again, you know? Okay. And so most of that stuff was pretty straight-laced, and, and there wasn't a lot of shenanigans going on. Interesting. I think I missed all the that. Edge, the edginess sort of... Yeah, yeah. I, I noticed it in the 2000s, suddenly. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. What, what were yeah. you drawn to personally? I mean, like, through all this, like, outside of just your, your abilities, mm-hmm. what 
what was the music like? What sort of music really get you going? What's old stuff, soul and, like soul and, and rock, rock and soul and blues and funk. Okay. I played a lot of funk gigs. Um, Is that what with your um, with the recent producing and writing for Rita? Rita mm-hmm. Is that was that driven by your uh, taste in music or an equal parts what she wanted to sing or what sort of a mix well, was she that? She was pretty established when she came to me in terms of like what she wanted to do, you know. Um, we, we rearranged a lot of her stuff to make it even more so, mm. you know. Um, but, you know, I'd seen her perform a couple of times before we hooked up and and started working on her her album and it was i was always impressed by how like classic she stuck to things you know she's she a machine of, on yeah, stage man. yeah i mean she's, she's a really, powerhouse so. <laughs> she's a powerhouse but she doesn't lose control of herself yeah you know yeah. she's very controlled and very she she knows how to manage the voltage of her show Dial it down or just mm, so, so yeah, yeah. yeah yeah and she's got a lot of old school influences and you know Aretha Franklin and Etta James and Billie Holiday and you know a yeah, lot I guess of that's that. gonna she's, suit your yeah. what, your your passion and what yeah. you like to work with yeah so. I mean my my folks raised me on Joni Mitchell and you know the Eagles and. That's good uh, stock know, songwriting, and, and even like in the, the rock era, Boston and Journey, and nice. uh, Dan Fogelberg, and you know the, these kinds of singer songwriters that had that kind of old school vibe. James Taylor, you know, um, kind of harkened back to like Motown and Stax, and yeah, you know. Wow, so solid. how did you feel like going into LA and noticing that <clears throat> there was like a real drive more towards commercial pop? I guess. Yeah. Did that. Like, did you, you did you get your teeth into that and enjoy it, or, did, or did, was there an area of that that frustrated yeah, I, you? I what I what I really loved about being in LA at the time that I was there was not necessarily the acts that I worked for, but the producers that I worked for. So oh, the okay. producers were all older people who were like me, who <laughs> you know yeah. loved the old stuff. But we're, we got to make a living, yeah, you know. Got to keep, keep that so bus rolling. We mm. would try and interject as much of that kind of stuff into the things we were doing as possible, but it wasn't always possible. Mm. And so after the fact, they'd go, "Hey, you know, yeah, this is whatever." But I got this other gig on Saturday. You want to, you know, right, it would yeah. be like a behind the scenes. You know, I think I I talked the other day online about the very first session I ever got paid for was with Andrew Love from the Memphis Horns, and at the time he was like 63, 64. Um, at uh, at uh, Sound City. Oh, yes. nice. Yeah, so I drove Classic. over there, and I was I was just nobody, man. A buddy of mine was playing guitar on it, and he goes, "Yeah, they, the drummer flaked out, and they need somebody, and just come by." Well, that's classic setups. Yeah, well. yeah. He's not going to be there, you know, so it's just the engineer, and the engineer's kind of a dick, and you know, like, <laughs> just, you can make it through that guy. You know, you can pretty much handle anything, and so I went and did it. And then they had me come back the next day, and I met him. He was there that day. And uh, so it's just like those kinds of things, you know, like getting in with these groups of people who were doing things sort of like off in the shadows and in the corners of this mm. pop landscape where, you know, Nickelodeon and Disney and all this crap is going on. And mm. so we do that during the day, but then at night we'd all go do the stuff we liked, yeah. you know. Which is one of the reasons Rebels. why I kind of dig the orchard. It's like the baked potato of yeah. 
of Bali, you yeah, know, it's like, like, of Bali everybody like goes there after hours to play yeah. after yeah, they they've go. done their resort gigs, and you, you know, just jam. And, yeah, it's yeah. awesome. Yeah. yeah all just, the musos. And you always welcome. Out. You always yeah. welcome. If you walk in with a guitar, get up. Ever right. sing or play it. Exactly. Yeah, it's great. You don't know what even, you're if, get. even if you're not in the mood for performing, you know, you yeah. before you know it, you get, up, get yeah. the hell get up. Right. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The amount of times we've all been walking out and they go, Athra. <laughs> yeah. like, oh shit. Okay. <laughs> Fine. Here's a whiskey. Get on stage. <laughs> no. But no. you you always love it. Don't hey. leave. Yeah. Oh god. It, yeah, it's it's definitely the mark of a cool music venue when you when as the, the later it gets, the more you see people walking in with their guitar cases, yeah. like from their other gigs. It's all, right. you're always like, this is the spot where people yeah. are coming. Yeah. Exactly, that's exactly. Have right. you lived in Australia much? I've never lived in Australia. I never lived in Australia. Okay. No. When I said to Woomba, you sort of looked like you reckon. I wasn't sure if you were recognising. No, also. I mean I've been there a couple of times, but I've never lived there. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Right. So what brought you to Bali? What was the? I mean, was there I, an initial a gig? It was, a show. it was a gig, yeah. yeah, yeah, in Jakarta. And when we got there, uh, the the company that was kind of handling the the talent, uh, my wife, my now wife, worked for them, and so I I got to hang out with her for like three weeks. He fell in love. <laughs> Very quick, you know. How yeah. fast did that happen? Yeah. Right? Don't do drugs or anything. I but love it that, that you're. That's first, a real problem. <laughs> so your first trip to Indonesia? Was yeah, it? yeah. First trip to Southeast Asia? No, okay. no. But Indonesia You'd already for sure. Three, yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, okay. I was the typical American who thinks Indonesia is like over in the Caribbean. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like where's nice. that? Like Bermuda? <laughs> Goal. So your first trip, and. It was a gig, and you fell in love, and you're still with that woman. Yeah, wow. That's yeah. Awesome. So yeah, so I, I, uh, I, I, I was sort of on my way out of LA at that point because I was like, you know, the, the 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 recording scene there had pretty much dried up and moved to Nashville pretty much full time. Everybody that I knew was moving to Nashville, and I'm like, I don't want to move to Nashville, man. I mean, I love country, but How long not ago that was this? much. This was in 2010. Right. Okay. Yeah. So I, um, I took the gig in Jakarta, which is supposed to be like a couple of weeks, and then what uh, was the gig? Sorry, it was like a theater, like a theater show, kind of thing. It was like a like a Cirque du Soleil type deal. Okay. Basically. <clears throat> And so, where I had to like write the music and play it, like and do the orchestra and everything, like I was the composer for it. Oh wow! So, um, a buddy of mine had directed a movie that I scored in L.A., and he was the the director of this thing. And he said, "Yeah, let's go over there and do this," you know. So, I went over there and I met her, and I hung out with her for like three weeks or two weeks, and then, and then I had to leave, right? And but I didn't have anything to really go back to. There wasn't any gig that I was pressing or anything. So I went back to LA, and my dad, you know, my dad's kind of followed me all over, moving to the East Coast or you know LA or whatever. My dad would always move where I went, you know, so we can hang. And he goes, uh, he goes, he goes, what are you gonna do? And I go, I don't know, man. I want to get out of regarding LA the girl. Or no, regarding like life. just what are you gonna do right. with yourself? You yeah. know. And I said, uh, I don't know. It's cool over there. Maybe I'll just go like backpack over there or something, you know? So that's exactly what I did. I put all my shit in a storage unit and I got a plane ticket to Tokyo. And I spent like nine months uh, 
with my drumsticks and a change of clothes, just going around. I went, I went to Japan and China and Sri Lanka and uh, Tibet. Nice. Yes. So you'd never done something like that never before? Never done oh. anything like that ever in my life. Never really on my own even. Like, oh, good choice. How rewarding so is that? It was awesome, yeah. man. It was totally life-changing. <laughs> and yep. the whole time I'm doing it, I'm Skyping with her every night. Oh, you know, getting, getting closer and closer yeah, yeah, down, right, exactly. down Southeast like, Asia. When are you coming back to Indonesia? <laughs> yes. I'm not planning to. You know? <laughs> and then like a year later, I came back and and hung out with her for like a month. And then I decided, you know, fuck it. I'm just going to sell everything and move over here. Wow. Good shit. Wow. So that's, that's what good. I did. How, how much? And then my dad moved over here. Oh, and oh nice. Basically until he died. Oh, wow. wow. Oh, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. yeah. You got that time in. Yeah. Yeah. How much did that, that trip in particular just change you, I guess? Or, or like, did it, did it open things up in you that you had never felt opened up before in terms of perspectives? And yeah, perspectives culturally, but especially like just how, uh, how open people are when they know you're a musician mm. and they're a musician and it doesn't matter what you believe about the world or what language you speak or how you look or anything. If you just sit down and you start playing, they just, they, they're yeah. like, yeah, you know. I mean, same it's language. Just like, same it totally language. Opens just it up. Yeah, it's just a complete borders. universal borderless thing. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I, um, I recorded everywhere that I went. I had like a, one of those little H4 Zoom oh, recorder things. The little, you know? Yeah, the little, yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. stereo pair deal. Yeah. And I recorded just about everywhere that I went, and I dropped pins on my iPhone so I knew where people were and I could remember oh, so if I ever made it back there, I could Damn, hook up. Damn, that's you a know. good way to do it. I, I've, I've always saved numbers and then, like, years later gone, I don't know where they are. Yeah, 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 I do that. The the especially sounds. on Bali, I drop pins of good cafes. Oh, right, yeah. yeah I, okay. I teach you. Yeah, teach me those ways, <laughs> guru master. Yeah, somebody, somebody that I was friends with in L.A. T- taught me that. And he said, yeah, yeah just drop a pin, man. Because mm. he had gone to Mexico City and done a similar thing. Mm. And especially attaching it to a person to yeah. call. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's on your Google Drive, so it'll be there forever. You know, and yeah. then, you know when you microchipped, it'll yep. pick yeah. up that. <laughs> yep. yeah. And then you'll actually be attached to that person. <laughs> you will be the you'll all be part of the grid. <laughs> Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Their information's out there. All networking everybody together for Google. So I, I did that. I spent like nine months doing that. Was and there any I, point on that trip? I mean, that any sort of solo traveling through all those parts of the world can sort of bring out hairy situations as well. Was there any moment, any scary moments? Or? A couple. Not not super scary. Like I never got mugged or anything. Or But I would hook up with people that, you know, the I, I learned really quickly that if you find somebody who's a local that has no life and has they what? just no life and they just want to you know like in J- in japan you guys ever been to japan yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. they'll walk you 20 miles oh, to where yeah. you need to go yeah. beyond like yeah. it's and insane. they're on their way to work yeah you know when you yeah. ask them and it's yeah. just, just like you yeah. don't have to come it's with insane. me especially yeah. i mean japan is like a that country is like an it's it's just different to the rest of the yeah, world. Really. As far as that's totally, totally different. different. I lost yeah. my cell phone snowboarding. I dropped it on the in the snow. Yeah. By the time I was like, oh, that's right. Fuck, I'd like that. Well, just go to the office around there. This literally walked around to the office. Oh, it's already been handed in. Yeah. I was like, what? Yeah, yeah. I know. I went from there to there. Someone cut through there and dropped it off within seconds. Yeah, like, yeah. I remember Davo, like yeah. a good, good mate, had come over. Like we, we've 
both worked up in the mountains in Japan uh, most years until COVID. We were in Tokyo on the way yeah. back here when COVID hit. Oh, okay. And uh, sitting in Tokyo, just just lording it with all the cash from uh, from the gigs there. Yeah. <laughs> Hitting the whiskeys and then uh, <laughs> text messages start coming through. The gig cancelled, gig cancelled in Bali yeah. and just going, ah, can yeah. I get a refund on the whiskey? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, oh, yeah. yeah, anyway, over there <laughs> up, in the, up in the snowy mountains and, and a mate arrived in Tokyo and was on the way up and, yeah, lost his wallet on the train. Had all like two grand in cash and his credit cards and yeah, everything. everything and, in there, and he yeah. was it was his first time in Japan and he's just like, Man, I'm so sorry, I'm gonna have to borrow money off you and it's all over and screwed basically. And everyone that knew Japan well, and I didn't know Japan that well, was just saying, You'll get it back. And and even I'm laughing like, mate, yeah, they're just being nice. Yeah. But literally three, four days later, it arrived at the hotel six hours away. <laughs> All his credit cards and money was put into like little plastic sleeves just so he could quickly look at it and know that it was all safe. Wow. That was yeah. insane. Yeah. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah, it's just an yeah. exception to the rule, that country. Yeah. Incredible. I went to yeah. a hotel there when I was there and the lady said, I'm sorry, we're fully booked. And I was like, oh, shit. It was really late at night. It was like 2 o'clock in the morning. And there was a guy and a, and a lady, I don't know if it man and wife, maybe or brother and sister or something. Anyway, they're standing next to me and they're checking in and they're almost done. And he he looks over at me and then he says something to the guy that he's working, the, the counter guy. And then he comes over and says something to the lady who's talking to me. And she says, oh, something just opened up. And the fucking guy just gave me his hotel room. His hotel room. Wow. Oh my <laughs> and god! I, what? And I, Where I, did realized, he sleep? I realized when she said that what had happened because I watched the whole thing, just the, the whole whole you know sequence of events, and I kind of put it together. And I and I looked at him, and he just goes, "He was Japanese." Yeah. And where did he, he had go? A suit. I don't know. That's bad. And I said, wow. "Are you sure?" And he goes, "Yeah, yeah." It's like there's a it's like oh my there's gosh, an absolute this is weird priority to make sure that visitors receive the best experience. Yeah, and to and some, to go away with just the most yeah. the utmost respect for the culture and the yeah. There's something about that. I think they would rather not offend anybody than be inconvenienced in any way. Mm. You know, they just it's just such a respectful community and culture and it just yeah really it was really eye-opening man i spent the majority of my time there i went there first and then i went around and then i went back again and spent like a month and a half there no just hanging out and did you get involved in many other types of music on those travels? Like I with did, a, yeah. I played with a lot of people. Sometimes I would just sit down on the street corner with somebody who's playing and just jam with them, you know? And and then I took all that recordings that I made and I made a record out of it. Oh, wow. I did like a world music uh, solo thing and then and I augmented it later with other players and stuff, you know, the stuff that didn't turn out. Yeah. But... um. And then I and then I released it on a record label and oh cool and, I love to hear yeah that, that kind of started like a little <coughs> what's thing. it called it's called uh, Eastern Chronicle Eastern Chronicle nice. yeah I'll send it to Good you name. yeah cool I did that and that was that came out in like a couple of years after I moved over here I finally got it released through Warner Brothers and then uh, like 2012 I think or 2013 and then I went to South Africa and did the exact same thing. Oh, but quicker. Like I, wow. I only was there for like four months, and I set it up on Twitter before I went over there. I met people and mm. you know, hey, I need a choir and you know, 
So, any was that all safe travels through Africa as far as uh, just really just pretty much between Cape Town and Johannesburg. Uh-huh. But yeah, it was I don't know maybe a hundred different musicians and yeah, wow, it was cool. It was a lot of fun and another recording, another yep. whole, right, whole okay. album project. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what was your like? It, I mean, there's a big difference between having a career as a session muso and then mm-hmm. having also having a career that involves songwriting mm-hmm. and like bringing in your own creativity and your mm-hmm. own writing and all that kind of stuff. Like, yeah. were you always writing from an early age anyway? Or no, probably when I was uh, maybe uh, 19, 18, 19, 20 is when I really started writing my own stuff. It was really basic and really lame. You know, until I was in my mid twenties and really kind of in session stuff down in LA. And how did real you? songwriters and like watching people who really did it for a living, like actually sure. do it, you know? Hmm. How did you then, <clears throat> how did that start to come into, like seep into your paid career life? Well, I've never really been, I mean, I've, I've, I've written stuff for myself, but I've never really. Uh, until maybe in the last six or seven years really co-written with anybody that did anything, you know, like stuff that went anywhere. I did a lot of, I did a lot of, um, composing for movies and TV while I was in LA and I did, and I wrote that all that See, stuff. I mean, well, that's, <laughs> yeah. but, it, but it wasn't that's like, it. it wasn't like songs. It was like, you know, like sure. sound score type, yeah. soundtrack type stuff, you know, Inst- a lot of instrumental music. Um, wow. But even then, how did that how did that come into it? How did you f- get into that part? Oh, how did I get into that like business? To, yeah, to go from being a session drummer to composing <clears throat> theater productions and things like that. That's uh, probably by chance. Um, uh, if let's see, probably the, the 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 most obvious one was when I when I moved to L.A. I got a job at a guitar. Guitar Center, which is big, you know. Oh, that's massive. Yeah, yeah it's massive. Oh, it's yeah. the biggest. Yeah, yeah, it's huge. And I became a sales guy. I moved in across the street. I rented a place online without even looking, and <laughs> and we moved in across the street from this guitar center. And I, it was weird, man. When I when I got there, I I applied like at home maintenance stores and a couple fast food places and stuff like I was not going to shame <laughs> myself and go work in this fucking drum room, you know? Well, I finally ended up there, of course, because I couldn't get a job. <laughs> so I walk over there and the guy who was the manager is a guy named Jason Crane. And he goes, yeah, he goes, come up to my office. And the next thing I know, he makes me the assistant manager of this store. I've never sold anything in my serious? life. Yeah. Wow. Just because we hit it off. Like we yeah. just yeah. happened to hit it. You know, I was an old, I was older, you know, and he was older and I wasn't just some kid that came sure. in to look for a job, you know, I was married. And so we hit it off and he was the general manager. He probably and just the, heard you mention that you didn't do drugs and alcohol. <laughs> and that he was like, have. you're the only he, guy in he LA. He because he didn't trust. either. Yeah, he didn't either. So oh, that could have been, that could have been it. But, yeah. but anyway, we started working together at that store and that store was like out of LA by a good 20 miles in this place called Covina, which is like East Los Angeles basin, like almost out to the desert, like Palm Springs type. And, um, not that far, but in that direction. And then he got promoted to the second biggest store in the chain, not the Hollywood Boulevard location, but the Sherman Oaks location, which was just over the Hollywood Hills from on Ventura Boulevard. And he brought me with him. And 
And then I worked, I worked there for like maybe like four or five months and I was the associate manager of that store. And then he goes, hey, he goes, because he knew I did not want to be there. Like he knew what I wanted to do with my mm. life, you know, because we had these conversations. We, were, we became good friends. And he goes, well, he goes, my advice to you would be to move up into management as quickly as you can because that's where you'll make a bunch of money and then you can quit, you know? Yeah. He said, and I said, okay, well, tell me if there's any management stuff available because I don't know anything about, I've never managed shit, you know, except for <laughs> bands. And he goes, yeah, so this management position opened up for the technology, the associate technology buyer for Guitar Center Corporate. So I would be assisting the, the, the main buyer of all the high-tech stuff, synths, keyboards, computer software. At the time, Logic was a new thing, and Pro Tools was a new thing, and, you know, it was all sort of emerging. All I'm thinking is discounts. <laughs> yeah, 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 me too. Massive. Me too. You know, I had this little shitty apartment, and I was just like, wow, I could build my studio. And yeah, all yeah. Stuff. Totally. So I go up there, and I get the job, and it's an hour from where I live because I've moved in this shitty yeah, neighborhood yeah. clear out in East LA, you know, and then the, and, and they're in like out towards Malibu. It's couldn't be further from where I live. Right. But I lied to him and said, yeah, I live in town, you know? And so <laughs> I start driving out there and I realize what LA traffic is now. Oh, it takes four hours no, to get there every day, one way, you know, Getting so I was chronically late. I was late all the time. <laughs> wow. And my boss a guy named Gene Jolly who had been run Yamaha and Sure and all these huge companies. He was, the, he was the main VP of technology there. And he pulls me in one day and he goes, dude, I can't cover your ass anymore, man. You got to get here on time. And I'm like, Gene, I live in fucking Covina, bro. <laughs> and he's like, holy shit. <laughs> Why? You know, yeah, like, yeah. I'm like, I don't know. And he goes, okay. He goes, I'll tell you what we'll do. He goes, I'll send you to a Franklin Covey time management seminar that's out towards your house and that'll give me an excuse to because everybody's bitching that you're always late you know and I'll tell him hey he's working on it I send him to this thing you know he's trying to figure it out so I go to this thing it's like a three-day thing it's like a this, rehab for late yeah people. It, totally <laughs> yeah it's just like so I go to this thing it's at the like the Hyatt in Pasadena right and it's this seminar and the first thing they do is they pair you up with somebody and you you know someone else that's a fucking late idiot, you know? <laughs> and it was this lady named Lindy Nisi, and she was the uh, audio director at ABC Sports. So, oh, my God. So wow. I meet her, yeah. and within a, I think it was like a three-day or a two-day thing, within the second day, I've got her, I, she, I gave her my demo, you know? I had my composition shit on there and some of the drum stuff that I'd done up to that point. And I go back to Guitar Center, and I'm in my cubicle doing my slave wage thing. And uh, she calls me, I don't know, maybe a month or so later, and she goes, hey, she goes, do you want to write some music for Monday Night Football? She wow. goes, because, because there's, you know, we, we're, we're going to start doing things a little bit different. We're going to hire outside and do third-party contracts and stuff. I said, yeah, yeah, what do, you, what do I do? You know, and she explained it to me. So I started doing that, and I would go to Guitar Center, and I'd work all day. And then I'd do sessions and stuff at night. And then like Thursday and Friday and Saturday, all night and most of the day Saturday, I'd write music for Monday Night Football. And after nine months when I got my first royalty check, my mechanicals from BMI, 
I quit GC. <laughs> uh, I called Gene and that I said, dude, fantastic. guess what? And he's like, you're quitting. And I go, yeah. And he goes, fucking A, do it. You know? Nice. So, so I, love I, it I, that the, I quit I and started doing that. I love it that the method to stop you being late to work <laughs> yeah. ended up having It was just a quit. fluke chance. That is crazy. It was just the weirdest thing that I met her. And mm. she, oh. you know, she's still there, man. She works at HBO now, but she's, she's. She was like one of the most powerful 100 women in Hollywood. Oh, really? Like in wow. the variety or whatever, you know. Yeah, she's a great lady, man. Wow. But she gave me a huge shot doing that, and oh, that's, that's kind amazing. of what got me into television and the movie thing, and it just kind of all germinated from that experience. Yeah, because really. you seem to have you've got a really wide palette of experience. It sounds like. Yeah, I. Did a lot of stuff while I was there. Yeah, somehow, I mean, from way. that corporate sort of sector, writing for you know yeah. for football, and then crossing over to theater, and then drum sessions for rock and pop. And I mean, that's a that's a really broad spectrum. Well, these days you've got to be quite broad, right? Especially with technology. I think so. Yeah, the broader you are, the the better off it's going to be. You know, yeah. the less painful it's going to be. Because in the old days, you could kind of stick at the same thing and make mm-hmm. a living from it, but mm-hmm. now it's. Yeah, everyone's a producer. Everyone's an engineer. Uh, yeah, you got. It was cool to be there at that time because all that stuff was just starting. You know, right, like yeah. I was one of the very first people to ever test Logic Pro. Wow, wow. really? Yeah, because I worked at GC and Apple came in and tried yeah. to sell us on selling it. You know, and we didn't. Gotcha. Nobody, nobody was a was a an Apple reseller. What were you recording point. on yourself? What were you composing on? I was using. I think I first started on Cakewalk. Remember oh, Cakewalk. Sonar. Cakewalk. Yeah. Was yeah. it black and white? Was it? I remember using. The I think it was green when I had it, but the, but yeah, the but, old Macs with the green or black and white screen. Well, yeah, yeah. The I had the first Mac that I ever had was a Performa. Yeah, which was the beige, shitty, you know, like bo- after the Lisa. Yeah, you know? I vaguely remember sequencing some. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I had one of those lollipop Macs for a while. Yeah, the, the blueberry ones or whatever they were. Called. I never owned one, but I. Yeah. Around on one yeah. and it was I had like, one of those for a while. I had one of those little toaster oven blueberry blue desktop things. It was like that big. It looked like an oversized hockey puck. <laughs> I had the little rolling external sort of GM instrument yeah. sounds. Yeah. Yeah. For a while I had my drums set up in my apartment, in the front of my apartment, and I had like like big refrigerator boxes like set up around it because the, oh, the yes, guy yeah. next door was a lawyer and he right. was really cool he was a defense attorney and then the, but the people next door were old and they'd lived there for like 20 years and every, they'd bitch every time I played they would have hated you oh they hated oh, me yeah they man. hated my guts <laughs> So I, I just did everything I could. I had a walk-in closet where I'd have guitar players come over and put their amps in there to record. And, wow. You know, but still right. through the walls where you can just... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was it was a nightmare. So all the bases just traveling through yeah. the pipes. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It was a nightmare. But we got it. You know, we did, I did a bunch of movie stuff living in that apartment. Wow. wow. It's amazing what you... It's, it's funny, isn't it, how like often it's... It's not always the tool, you know. It's it's so often the expression and the ability to yeah. create yeah. with whatever you've got, you know. Yeah. And when you're more restricted, sometimes that's you know, it's like squeezing a diamond, you know. Right. That, that, I guess, it's true. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. often, often you think, oh, once I get these plugins, or once I get this, or yeah, these particular the extra room part, the, yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll start. I'll finally be writing. But it's man, it's funny. I find the that there are times when I'll just be in a shitty hotel, walk into a shitty hotel somewhere that's just one of those classic, you know, just just um, shiny floors and yeah. nothing Wind's in there but the bed. And, them, yeah. yeah, and then just like 
clap and hear the echo and just go, oh my God, grab the guitar and just bang, you write 10 songs and you're just there all night. the bathroom. The bathroom, the vocal booth. Especially in Bali, but you got that. Yeah. Okay, so there's certain frequencies. But some bathrooms just have the perfect reverb. It can be so inspiring. It can just pull pull the music out of you. I mean, you've got to, like extra tools and extra plugins and all these, those things can put you in a direction that you may not have taken before. Like mm-hmm. you can, you know, I love playing with something mm. new outside of my guitaring and everything because it'll, like even just to, if I jump on a keyboard and find a new sound, like, oh, wow, that just inspires me to sing in a different way that I don't normally yeah. sing. So right. there's that. But you really have to already have sort of some drive within you. You can't sort of yeah. find find the music from the tool. You yeah. Know? yeah. The, I usually call that like defensive writing. Defensive writing, yeah, because you're defen- you're 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 not offensively coming with a vision. You're you're uh, reacting uh, okay. to yeah. you know something, and it, it's you know some people do that really really well. I don't do it well at all. I gotta have some sort of an idea or whether it's a rhythm or a melody or a counterpoint or something that works, you know, that is in my head, I'm going, I got to get to that point mm. somehow and figure out all this shit. Is that when you're by yourself that. though? Compose, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. if you're if you with someone else, if you're with somebody you're else, bouncing. it's different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you're bouncing ideas yeah. off of each other. But even then, sometimes, you know, some people are not just not musical leaders, Yeah, you right, know, yeah. and it's up to you then to, to the producer and me, you know, like, yeah. hey, let's do this, you know, yeah, like, play, it it, like, play, it, play it like this, you know. Because you can hit a roadblock when you buy yourself sometimes like ah I'm just gonna go and watch a bit of Netflix my brain won't work but if you work along with someone they get the roadblock okay I'll take over for five minutes go and have a cup of coffee exactly and then you come back in and go oh what you did there and then you back on again so right yeah unless you're sting and you come back and erase all his Ah, shit and start over (laughs) (laughs) oh man genius so what's what's happening more now for you? Is it your more producer Mostly stuff production, or? especially with COVID. Touring, you know, took up two-year break. Mm. This is the first week, last week, that I've had a tour offer since 2019, wow. really the end of 2019. Right. So... Um, Do you miss it? Yes and no. I got two kids now, yeah. so I don't miss it as much. Mm. But if it's a little tour, it's a quickie, mm. you know. Who's that I, with? Uh, oh, you can't say. Well, there's yeah. there there was a bunch that came in that I haven't really addressed yet. Wow. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. So there is a lot of work out there, but it's just who can take it. And well, all of a sudden, because, you know, in, in my country, at least, the president said, okay, masks off, everything's back, you know. And yeah. as soon as he said that, it was like everybody had everything waiting. Wow. They pushed a button yeah, and well. <laughs> all the emails went out. Yeah, yeah. So within, so, so within America, it's just like... Boom, the, the touring business is just back on. Within, really? Yeah, to a certain degree. I mean, there's a lot of details to work out mm. insurance, yeah, and insurance is a big and one. Vaccines, yeah. and yeah. all yeah. this stuff. And well, I don't especially know with how the they're going to. Passports, you need a passport to go to a concert. Right. I and mean, it's, it's a bit of a hit fact. Especially yeah. if, you're, if you're a festival, if you're running a festival, it's like, uh, am I insured yes, to cover exactly. these people? And that, and exactly. Exactly. Do we take the risk to do the festival? Right. I mean, it's very scary. Yeah, some people have asked, like, well, is the government going to make you have a vaccine? And it's really not their thing. It's the insurance companies. Yeah. You know, the insurance companies yeah. don't want any liability. Yeah. And so if you give everybody COVID, they're unless, kind of fucked. Unless yeah, there's know. a waiver. You come in, just... Or your fingerprint, yeah, <laughs> and yeah. then you waive any rights if yeah. you get sick. And I haven't heard any of that kind of talk. Yeah, it's been mostly 
if you're going to be an AIG covered tour yep. or if you're going to be a Live Nation covered tour, you got to be vaccinated. Mm, wow. Know, because the insurance companies won't cover the tour if you're not. Oh, so it's such you know, a headache. So yeah. If, if yeah, anything, it'll be interesting to see how it all shakes out. I mean, I'm neither. Man, I got so much shit in my body. Who cares? You know, <laughs> just, but, just another thing. You yeah. Know? yeah. But, so, uh, for a lot of people, you know, they just don't want to do it. Yeah. You know, they don't. They yeah, there's a, I mean, there's a huge, there's a know. huge stance for a lot yeah. of people on that. And you're so if it was touring again, it'd be literally it'd be going back to the states and and national. Right touring. now, yeah, for me, yeah, yeah okay. right now, there's one that I got that's a uh, Northern European thing, but there's a whole other set of rules there too. Oh, yeah, because right? I'm not a European citizen, so you know. The, Work artist visas, depending on vaccinations yeah. and, and certain, borders. certain vaccinations, like uh, they won't accept uh, in Europe the AstraZeneca thing. So wow. if you've been vaccinated with that, it doesn't uh, count. Uh, I mean, there's just like weird stuff like that. Double you know? off so, on your uh, yeah, right. Yeah, so that's the question. You know, I was yeah. talking to to Pete Ray Biggin the other night about that because yeah, he's yeah. got stuff too, and we yeah. both we both got hit at the same time. And he's like, "Dude, I don't know what to do, man." I'm, I'm like, "Yeah, I don't either." Uh. Yeah, I don't, so it'll be interesting to see, like, as it gets closer to these dates, what changes and what kind of legislation goes through and who's going to do what just and how things are going to work Throw the bands out. in a bubble, put it on the back yeah. of a truck, <laughs> and you just can't leave that bubble when you're on stage. And <laughs> just bubble yeah. boys. Just I have seen, I did, I've seen a couple of... Once. Yeah. There has been a couple of those oh, concerts. It looks like, fucking weird. It, it weird, just right? destroys yeah. the, the whole... hotel in Italy where all the people are on their hotel balconies and the band is across at another hotel with a big sheet of plastic. Oh, oh. right. No, I haven't seen that so one. So weird. I wow. saw one where a guy was just doing a private... Like, he, he's a touring pianist mm-hmm. and he just decided to set up on his balcony and there was enough, you know, close proximity balconies in the opposite hotels okay. that everyone came out and yeah. it was it was really cool footage. It was just like a little concert in the yeah. round, you know. It was yeah. incredible. But, yeah. yeah, I mean, just once you start going down the bubble route, it just <laughs> yeah. just that whole idea of the intimate connection you get with music just seems to die. In the yeah. The, yeah, the states are a little, I think, more... Um, what do I want to say? Not not freer, but crazier maybe. You know, mm-hmm. Florida and Texas, they're like, fuck it, we're doing it. We don't give a shit. Yeah, what the Florida. Texas doesn't give a shit. We'll from sue the start, you like, if you don't let us, you know. And, and so yeah. a lot of the tours that are sweeping through America now, they all start in Florida. Right. Okay. And they spend like three weeks there. And they're, they're assuming that by the time things loosen up a little bit more that three weeks will be over they'll be able to book up the uh, east okay. coast and you know so they're kind of uh, using it as just like a buffer to, right you know to wait for the yeah. for the other states to like get a clue and well, maybe they can follow just second like stop border Boston. festivals right on the borders so they can just come <laughs> yeah, <out. laughs> yeah. just, just looking just over get, this line in the just, sand just going around yeah, the, all fully. the borders <laughs> <Right>. that, <laughs> awesome uh, they'd be loopholes yeah so it'll yeah. be interesting to see how it all works out but I mean, I, I, just, I just am happy that it's, like, starting to come back. Yeah. You know, it'll be slow. But it'll like, be slow. Like, New Zealand nailed it, like, last year, like, all through the summer. Like, the summer starts around November, December. Yep. Like, I was looking back home. These, no one's got masks on. These festivals, thousands of people, all the venues are packed. Yeah. Really good for the New Zealand um, right. local scene because yep. no internationals could come in. Right. So, all these lower-tier musicians that could never get onto these festivals. Yes. So, they're getting bigger. So, yes. it's really made our music scene rich, you yeah, know. So, exactly. But no masks, no nothing. We Just no COVID. Just, just, just killing just, it. Just killed yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. I was yeah. Talking, talking to a mate in New 
Zealand today, Dale. Yeah, Dale. From, yeah, he yeah. was just saying, mate, it's just a pleasure over there, yeah. just bouncing around between festivals. Yeah, yeah. Just loving it. Yeah, it's massive. Pretty, it's pretty interesting how it's all unfolding. I mean, even there's even a parameter here that, that you know, I mean, talking about what I'm doing now is, you know, Graham, who you guys know, obviously Graham's store, we've, we're, we're starting a venture together. Uh, to get Indonesian musicians involved in international things. Yeah, and, uh, and so the timing of this couldn't be better because a lot of American musicians and even European musicians are still kind of gun-shy on all this. Yeah. And it's a great time to just slip mm. Rivaba in there. Yeah, oh, sure. or, or the Blues Mates or yeah. you know, whoever, like, and, and get them in there. Um, so someone else that, you know... The, a spot that would normally be just jumped on. Yeah. So if people are just a little bit bated breath on whether they should be involved, yeah, yet, it's just like going, no a, worries. I mean, the same way you were, you were getting your first gigs on the touring yep. circuit or yeah. with, with uh, session work. Yeah, it's this just guy like a, take it, it, so. advantage of the hesitation, mm. you know, a little bit. We we Gra- uh, Graham and I submitted two bands just yesterday for a festival in Canada oh, that they're gearing wow. up, and it's a it's a rock and blues festival, so it's perfect for these guys. And we got their passports and all their oh, good everything. Wow. I mean, we got everything so we can just nail them with a link to everything and Great. their songs, their photos, everything. I mean, it's such so an we'll know in a of unbelievable days market of musicians here. Yeah. So it's crazy. so, I mean, it, that really makes sense that you as a producer and with all your contacts and your background and history in the States, and it just makes sense that if you're based here, why not yeah. set up that kind of a bridge between, and, you know, you'd be the bridge for these guys. Yeah, to me, it's like the, the best kept secret on this mm. side of the world. I mean, who knew? Yeah, you yeah it's interesting because a lot yeah. of people have tried certain things here that just that you know they've come up with so much just there's a lot of hurdles to jump through yeah, in terms of, of getting tape. things off the ground yeah. on the ground here sorry like in terms of festivals or bringing acts in here mm-hmm. but that's a different angle i mean it's you know there's one thing bringing acts in and then getting local people to support that act yep. within the country so they've had an opportunity to support that international act but but yeah. actually getting the the act out of yep. the country that's and really that's really what he and i we've spent weeks discussing that going places for two three days huddling down and drawing we got oh that's great legal pads of shit we're just you know just trying it because what i've observed living over here is you know we were kind of talking about it a little bit before we started there's a lot of people who don't want it to happen there's a lot of local people here who don't want these acts to go anywhere because Mm. it's lucrative if they stay right you know yeah, yeah. And What's that small town mentality? Exactly. It's a, it's a small Exactly. Island. And I dealt yeah. with that in Corvallis when yeah. I was growing up. It's the yeah. same shit, you know. Just, yeah. just yeah, man, just play frats and sororities yeah. and, you know, it's all good. You can make a good living, you know. Once they're gone. Imagine if Pearl Jam and all yeah. those guys had never left Seattle. Exactly. I mean, it, yeah. puts, it puts, the funny thing is, ironically, it puts the place on the map. It, right. Yeah. It speaks, yeah. you know, I and mean, there's such a beauty in, in touring anything from your culture to other places to represent your country. Right. You know, yeah. it's why. Yeah. It's look at the Van Halen brothers, you know, yeah. half Dutch, half Indonesian. Yeah, you know? exactly. You can see it when you yeah. know this. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's no reason why Indonesian musicians should be playing on American records yeah. as far as I'm concerned. Fly the flag. Get you out know? there and just... Yeah. And I, just it, put, I just put one of, our, one of our friends on a 
on that pop punk record that I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah, you know, no, he just played guitar on it and just kicked ass, man. Yeah. There's and it inspires no the, the next it. generations coming up. Yeah, it'll inspire man. them and it'll just get bigger and better and better. And that's, that's mm. what happens. Yeah. You know? So Graham and I are focused on exit <clears throat> strategies for these guys. Right. Know, how do you get out and penetrate other markets other than this one? Because this one's really small. It's you limited. Know, it's right? very it's limited. It's really yeah. limited. Yeah. And there's a lot of musicians. It's really saturated here with a lot of really good players. And oh, yeah. so the more we can push them out and get them playing gigs and festivals and other international touring and records and recording and doing all this kind of stuff. Um, I think the better, obviously economically for them and career strategy wise, it just, you know, just makes total sense to me. Oh man, that's awesome. So, that's yeah. it. Yeah. That's, I haven't really seen anyone doing that. You know, I've, yeah. I've really only heard people talking about the ideas of, of setting things up here. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's, that's, that's really cool. Yeah. We're working on it. We're, you know, fingers crossed. Yeah. We, we've, uh, we've encountered some difficulties with, with different, you know, well, it starts with one, you know, and it yeah. has to take one to go, okay, that was successful. That was a yeah, good model. Exactly. And yeah. maybe you just have to focus on just one and then there's another one. I mean, yep. That gateway just opens. Yeah. yeah fully. Yeah. 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 Yeah, so it's pretty exciting, you know. It's, it just feels good to be part of something that's moving. Yeah. It's yeah. funny, too, how there's always a point where you reach where you want to start giving back to, like where your struggle to sort of get somewhere yourself mm -hmm. switches into just wanting to use that knowledge and that, yep. that position you're in to push other people. Yeah, man, I've had so much help. I just... We could do another four-hour podcast just on yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just the people that have, just, have been there for me and... And G too, you know, we talk about that all the time and just, especially over here, you know, two white guys, you know, typically would be viewed as, oh, who are these motherfuckers coming <laughs> yeah. in here, you know, like, you know, yeah, like it's just colonialists, another, just you know? another one. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. But we've really tried hard to, to show and prove that, you know, it's, uh, we're not taking anybody's money. We're not charging anybody for anything, hmm. you know, um, the thing we, is, we, a, we both have careers. Yeah. You know, we've got careers that are strong and we don't, it's just, we just, these guys that we play with and that we all know and we all have relationships with, it's just, it sucks to see them struggling so hard mm. and be so talented, mm. yeah. you know? And just because of a lack of opportunity, it just doesn't make any sense. No, yeah, you know, there's just not. so much shit going on but out there. Especially when you've spent the kind of time that you... Uh, I mean, how long have you lived here now? I would say 12 years. I lived here? in Indonesia proper for t for 10 years. Yeah. This is and, my 10th and, year. Geez, like what, 15 or yeah, something? Yeah, easily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, 15, it's, 17, it's yeah. very different to someone just sort of arriving in a place fresh and going, oh, what can I do here to make a difference? And yeah. like... And often that is skewed by what they're wanting to get out of it. Right. But when you've actually lived in a place for, you know, over 10 years, I mean... Yeah, I mean, technically, you know, my kids are Indonesian. Yeah. And, and so, so, you know, you I want to put, you know, we're not going anywhere. Yeah. I'm yeah, never moving to, back yeah. there. Yeah. You know, so... Uh, is there anything that you really miss about the states, or about about having my that? mom? Yeah, <laughs> okay. my yeah, mom. Sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's really it, though. Okay, it's yeah. really it. So I proximity mean, to that music scene isn't an issue. No, I've been in it so long. Yeah, that you know, we still do all the same shit we did. We just do mm. it over the wires. Yeah. Okay. Know? Is there any? Um, was there any other sort of, I guess, people that you've worked with over the years? I mean, you've worked with some pretty big names like Britney Spears, Stevie Wonder, right? Yeah, yeah. played with Stevie a couple of times. What's your top five, like, studio, live, crazy, 
Yeah, you working with Stevie was an outcropping of David Foster. That was right. a, that was a you know I call it the David Foster hub. You know, it's just millions of people that guy deals with all the time. So once you worked with David Foster, that was it. Like you had a you were plugged into this other world of kind of. I mean, I was never I, I was never David's regular guy, but every when he would come over to Southeast Asia, you know, there were always opportunities like that. That's how I got in with him, and mm. you know, and 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 so, but be, because of that gig. I, I had the, I guess, sort of the unofficial street cred to do other things, you know? And so, so I played with Stevie twice. Was that live? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Cool. Wow. And he's got a regular guy too, a really killer drummer. It's amazing. And, but it just, it just so happened that, you know, it worked out where I was there already playing with somebody else and he needed somebody and it was a festival and, you know, Wow. so, uh, Stevie was great. Uh, one of the best gigs of me just sentimentally when I was eight years old, just by a weird chance of fate, I played with Al Green for two nights. Wow. Yeah. My dad was in a band and he was playing bass. I was playing drums. <laughs> with your dad? With your yeah, dad? with my dad. Yeah, you, we were in a band. Your dad and Al Green. Yeah. Oh. No, 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 no. My, oh, dad, right. my, dad, my dad and I played in a band. Right. And uh, it was like a church band thing that we traveled up and down the west coast and al green at the time was the reverend al green right so he was doing the christian music thing and he was at the same church we played at the same night we opened for him and as a like cute hey this little boy plays drums kind of a thing right go up there you know because he said is anybody in the audience a musician you know awesome and i got up and played with him and then a couple of nights later i played with him again because he came and said to my dad you know hey your kid's pretty good you know (laughs) do you mind if i use him again because it was funny it was like a comedy bit you know yeah and so I played with him, and I still have a recording of it. And oh, man, that would have yeah. gone straight like when you started actually going with session work, straight in the bio. Uh, yeah, yeah. session <laughs> yes. with Al Green. Yes, <laughs> eight years old. Yeah, I think for a while it wasn't my bio, and then I was just kind of like, yeah, it's kind of not really. It's, you know, you still did it. Yeah, I mean, I did it, but it. you know, I also, you know, yeah, whatever. <laughs> so right. that was a, that was a pretty big highlight. And David Foster, of course, was probably the biggest the biggest highlight for me. I remember seeing uh, was it Beyond say or somebody doing that Super Bowl halftime show and everybody's bitching well what is she fucking lip syncing well dude yeah. it's 65,000 people yeah. man you and can't hear shit going out yeah it's she's in a tiny postage stamp stage in the yeah. middle of a massive stadium it's an open air stadium sounds going to be 65,000 people yeah. screaming their fucking yeah. head off there's <laughs> no way in the world yeah. it's going to be clear yeah you know yeah remember so, there's a there's a Beatles concert I mean, oh, I'm sure yeah. there were plenty, but there's some big outdoor stadium Beatles concert. I remember, like, there's, and you just, all you can hear is, yeah, all those girls screaming, and, you know, yeah. you can twist and shout. The actual yeah. studio recording of it was a live recording, and yeah. that's all you can hear is yeah. people yeah. screaming. Like it's playing like, at single fin. <laughs> <laughs> you got the DJ on one I've side, ne- it's <laughs> the band here. It's the only just, time I've been doing a gig with, 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 when I was with the band, and I've turned around and looked at Ian, and I, had no idea where to place my note. Like, it's the only time gig I've ever done in my life yeah. where I'm like, looking at Ian going, I don't know what to sing, because all I could hear, you can hear the... Yeah, have the you DJ. ever played up there? Yeah, I've yeah. never or played there, but there. I've been there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. you've got, the, you got the DJ, like, all the sound of the DJ leaking through, and then there's just 
the sound is just horrendous. You've actually got so much white noise, your ears are just going. Yeah. Well, it's all the yeah. overtones, yeah. the low. And the... You can't work out what key. You can't hear the key. It's just all yeah. this mishmash. <laughs> and I'm like trying to sing this song and Ian's just looking at me and we're just cracking up. I'm going, I know this is fucking wrong. Yeah. But you look up and you're like, everyone's just so wasted. No one yeah. shit. Right, right. Yeah. Nobody notices yeah. but you. Yeah, yeah. The, I mean, yeah. the Beatles could have literally just yeah, done whatever they wanted and those <laughs> girls wouldn't have yeah. noticed. Yeah. 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 Not played. Just yeah, pull out their plugs and yep. <laughs> yeah. So yep. give us your Ozzy Osbourne. Um, yeah, it was moment. a weird. It was a weird deal. It was a Super Bowl commercial. I love the way already uh, Ozzy Osbourne story has got the word weird. Yeah, in Yeah, he, he was great. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't really a musical gig in terms of like doing a show with him or anything, okay. but it was like a commercial for a Super Bowl ad with gotcha. him and Justin Bieber. Oh, okay. And it was like old bull, young bull With type Justin deal. Right. Yeah. and Ozzy Osbourne. Yeah. What I think thing? you can still find it on YouTube. Yeah, right. Yeah. So like were a, you performing or was it just a TV commission? It was you? a, yeah, I just did the drums for it that they used in the in the yeah. thing. Right. But uh, it's pretty funny. It's a pretty funny <laughs> commercial. When was that? 2006, maybe 2007, oh, wow. something that's, like that. That's long. long time ago. Justin Bieber. I still see ago. him as a 13-year-old. Yeah, when he <laughs> it was, it was funny, right after, it? right yeah. after he really hit the big time. Yeah. You know? Oh, right. It was like Justin in the peak Bieber. of his, yeah. you know, right after the baby, baby, baby. Yeah. You know, whatever. Wow. But uh, I, I remember he was here, stayed at Alila Suri out out this way, and the manager when I, I did a gig out there, and the manager's like. And Justin Bieber was just here, and he ruined all the. They, they were like, uh, what are they called? The um, uh, those things you write on that you segways. Oh yeah, yeah. They because they had all these segways for getting around the property, and Justin Bieber and all his mates just jumped on the segways straight down to the beach. Just, <laughs> just ruined straight them. into the sea. Just ruined them all. Of them. Didn't give there a shit. There were so many like, stories about it him. Right I'd just it critic had it. Oh, yeah, just, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The lizard and stuff. And you guys oh, the lizard one yeah. in yeah. Australia. <laughs> yeah, tell the kids. Ah, I saw that video footage. Apparently, he shapeshifted. Oh, being he shapeshifted. A shapeshifted. He didn't shape But all these kids are screaming. Someone just posted it and typed in lizard. Right. Dude, if he turned into a lizard, you wouldn't have survived very if, well. No, I've heard no, about your love no, of lizards. Fuck you, Graham Store. <laughs> <laughs> you asshole. Yeah, no, I, said, no, like, I said to G, have you got any particular stories I should bring up oh, in the Jesus. podcast? And the one thing he says is if you've got a giant monitor lizard or a, cro- <laughs> or a crocodile he somewhere. Those and I'm things. like, surprise, surprise, I what don't a have a spare crocodile in the villa. <laughs> I'm going to kill him. Yeah. I'm going to see him right after yeah. we're done yes. here. The pleasures of being close to that guy. Oh. <laughs> so how, how was uh, Robbie Williams? Did you do a tour with him or was it? Yeah, I played with Robbie a couple of times. Was, it, was that yeah. when he's clean, pre or post? Or? Uh, both. Both. Yeah. So was it crazy? Was he? No. No? No, he's a great guy. Yeah? Yeah, he's a great guy. It's an act, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's been a couple of people like that. I worked with Jessica Simpson way early in my career. It's the same thing. I guess they really Total. like that that type of Maybe a famous. Maybe not an act. I probably shouldn't say that. It was but, just you know, embellished yeah, a little bit. Yeah. The yeah. media, the media yeah, yeah. you know, they right. get a hold of it and it's yeah. something way more than it really is. I actually yeah. saw an interview of Robbie Williams and he's seen UFOs and I know you're a UFO oh, man. Right. You should, he's, yeah, okay. seen, he's seen UFOs a few times. Oh, really? And he was serious. He was on 60 Minutes. Yeah. He was like, no, no. I've seen it. And 
were you high? And he was like, no, I was clean. Yeah, nice. <laughs> look into it, mate. Do your I'll research. I'll look it up, mate. <laughs> I'll do my UFO research again. <laughs> Join the dots, I'll mate. continue. Follow the road, road, mate. Follow oh, the trail. Mate. Absolutely. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> mate, we might wrap it up. It's yeah. Been a, yeah, it's been a good... Fantastic. Good hour. Yes, thanks for coming on, dude. Of course. Yeah. yeah. You guys are doing cool stuff. I love it. Cheers, man. Yeah, thanks. Thanks yeah, for having we'll, me. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll do another one sometime. I'd love to do another one, especially once um, once you start getting these boys out to the world. Yeah. Catch yeah. up and all that. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah, cool. Yeah. All right. Well, cool. thanks, Barley Rooftoppers. We're going to sign off. Have a good night, day, Peace. wherever you are. Adios, amigos. Ciao.